driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Whew! Is it busy? Is there anything going on this week that we should know about? Is there something important to discuss? Are there... <laughs> Election Eve, you guys, and I can't be, I could not be more excited. I mean, could I be more excited? I don't know. I don't think so. I think we have a, believe we have a candidate on the line with us right now, Commissioner Brandon Johnson, running for mayor of the city of Chicago. I'm guessing it's a busy last uh, 24 hours for you, sir. How's it going? Hey, what's going on? It's going well. Thank you for asking. And it is busy. And um, that's a good sign. If I weren't doing anything, that would probably indicate that I'm not doing well. But because we are so busy, that's a sign that uh, our campaign continues to catch the imagination, the hopes and dreams of the people of Chicago. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow. What are the things that you are focused on right now in these last hours? Because, look, all these stories keep coming out and polling numbers. What are you committed to doing? What message are you committed to making sure that anybody who has not yet early voted uh, is still on the fence? Because I talked to a lot of people yesterday at polling place and they're still undecided. So uh, what what are you focused on right now? Like, what, what are the events you're doing? What kind of what kind of running around are you going to do tomorrow? Tell us. Well, I'm still committed to what we've been doing for the last several months, and that's organizing all over the city. And so we've probably had, I mean, easily over 70, 75, conservatively, 75 house parties. Um, we have hundreds of donors where we've raised uh, roughly $350,000 um, from just individual donors around the city, average uh, contribution of $90, $95. Um, we have not 200, 300,000 doors, I believe, we've reached. Um, the city of Chicago. And so what we have discovered, obviously, as people get to know me, um, they are clear that I represent and reflect the best values of the city of Chicago. And so, you know, my message is pretty still pretty simple, that in order to have a better, stronger, safer Chicago, you have to love people enough to invest in them. I'm committed to doing that. I'm the only one who has presented a sweeping plans um, that can help transform this city. And we do it all without raising property taxes. We do it without, um, though th- there, there have been people lying about my platform. Um, that hasn't worked. Um, and we do it by bringing people together. And that's what I'm confident that this city um, is prepared and willing to do. And that's why I'm in the position that I'm in. The movement of, of education justice, um, the movement for healthcare justice, for environmental and climate justice, um, these movements and housing justice, um, have come together at a critical moment in our city's history, prepared to take the message of working people, middle-class families, those struggling in poverty, to the fifth floor. And I'm looking forward to leading that effort. I live in an area with a lot of first responders, and, and many of them will say they don't trust you. Uh, some of them will use more uh, colorful language that we don't need to get into. Uh, what do you have to say to those folks who uh, are cynical about your platform and your approach towards it? And, and some of that has been shaped by the other candidates. What do you want to tell uh, our first responders? Yeah, the first thing is this. Um, my plan is very clear about making sure that first responders actually get to do their job. Almost 40% of the 911 calls that come through are mental health crises. Why are we asking police officers to be social workers and counselors and marriage therapists? I, look, I've been a public school teacher in the city. I know all of the societal issues that fall at the, the feet at teachers and police officers, and people expect us to do the jobs of every single profession. 
my plan actually alleviates and relieves law enforcement from doing the things that previous administrations have constantly forced them to do. In fact, Paul Vallis is the reason why we are in this economic crisis. He was in charge in the 90s of the budget when I was in high school. His failures to be able to put together a budget that speaks to the values of working people is why we are in this economic crisis. In fact, everywhere he has been in charge of a budget, whether it's been in Chicago, Philadelphia, New Orleans, he has been fired. If people want to continue down the path of old-style politics that has left families behind, I reject that because I believe that there's a better, stronger, safer Chicago that awaits us with the right kind of investment. So I'm asking people to actually trust the work that I've done because the people who have been in charge before is why we're in the predicament now. We can't go back to that. We're talking to Commissioner Brandon Johnson, candidate for the mayor of Chicago. For those who are just getting in their cars or just tuning in, uh, another question you just mentioned uh, that uh, you were you're a teacher, and uh, and you also alluded to the contention between uh, Paul Vallis uh, and well, at least I think it's well documented the contention between Paul Vallis and CTU. You, on the other hand, uh, endorsed by by CTU, a lot of support there, a lot of uh, a strong relationship there. And one listener asks, uh, can you please ask Brandon Johnson if a elected, will he stand up to CTU? If you don't agree with them or have some some discrepancies bet- between uh, ideology or policy, uh, will you fall in line with them or challenge them? I'm going to stand up for the people of the city of Chicago, like I've done as a Cook County commissioner. Look, I'm also supported by child care workers. I'm supported by individuals who take care of seniors. We have independent political organizations all over the city of Chicago that have supported me. Um, Elected officials like Congresswoman Delia Ramirez, uh, Congressman Jonathan Jackson, and everyone in between. I'm going to be responsible for a budget that speaks to the interests of working class and middle class families. And as a Cook County commissioner, I've passed multi-billion dollar budgets working with 16 other county commissioners, a board president, and separately elected, constitutionally protected, countywide elected officials. I'm the only person in this campaign who is running for mayor that has a record of bringing people together, especially when it comes to passing budgets. Bottom line is this. Paul Vallis is responsible for school closures. He's responsible for school privatization. He has caused the, the, the ominous decline of black educators. That has happened under his reign. Wherever he has gone, he has left a trail of tears behind. And so we cannot go back to that old style of politics. And, of course, I'm grateful to have the support of working people all over the city of Chicago. But I'm very much committed to making sure as a parent who sends their children to the Chicago public schools that there's no one in this race that has more of an incentive for the city of Chicago to have effective public schools and someone who sends their children to them. And so that person who has that question, that concern, you have my word that I'm going to stand for the interest of parents because I am one. There you go, Dan. That was our, our listener that wanted uh, that question asked. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, we talk a lot about over the last four years uh, has been the way in which the mayor's office has uh been a little bit uh, abrasive with members of city council. Uh, what would how would you describe your working relationship with colleagues, with people you disagree with, with uh, with people that you want to be able to to make sure that the right things are done for the city of Chicago, for the people of Chicago? Thank you. I've been, I was raised in a very large family. I'm one of ten. Plus, my parents were foster parents, so I learned early in life how to negotiate, um, especially because we only had one bathroom. But my father taught us though growing up. The real sign of someone who has true character. He never called it leadership. He said true character. 
You have to be collaborative. You have to be compassionate. You have to be competent. That's my style. I've done it as an organizer. It's why we have an elected representative school board. I organized all over the city of Chicago before I was an elected official to get that done. I was on the front line as we were fighting for 15, organizing workers across the state to push the General Assembly to actually to do right by working people. We have civilian oversight of the policing, where district council races around the city, where the individuals that are neighbors will have say-so on how we do policing in the city of Chicago. This is all brought to us by a movement because democracy actually matters. And so, you know, my style of leadership is, is, is collaborative. It's, it's compassionate. And then we have to make sure that they were being competent because the people of Chicago deserve leadership that actually knows what they're doing. And unfortunately, the politics of old that have left families behind has placed us in this predicament right now. And I'm glad that people are speaking to their hopes and dreams and not voting to their fears and the misinformation that's being spread about people that we can do better than cast people based upon their religion or cast people based upon their geographical makeup. The city of Chicago can be better than that. And that's why people are saying that Brandon is better for the city of Chicago because we have a multicultural, multi-generational movement from the first war to the 50th war. The only person that has a ground game in every single geographical area in the city of Chicago because I love people enough to invest in them now as I run, and that's how I'm going to lead when I'm the mayor of the city of Chicago. In all these months of campaigning, uh, which I believe started, uh, it was August, September, sometime in the summer last year. Is that about right? I'm trying to remember when you announced. Yeah, I announced in October. So I've been at it since the end of October. Okay. Along the way, so there's a lot. You've answered a lot of questions, had so many conversations, these conversations. And I'm wondering, what what has stood out for you? Is there a moment where you went, oh, that's unexpected, or this is something that's going to stay with me and I'm going to carry with me win or lose in this race? There's a woman who met me in McKinley Park for a house party. She was retired. She was on a fixed income. She collects a Social Security check every single month. When I announced in October, she had been saving her Social Security check for this house party in McKinley Park. And she contributed $300 to my campaign Uh. from her Social Security check. I, 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 I didn't want to take it. I didn't. She believes in this movement so much she was willing to, to, to save up her fixed income just to be able to contribute to make sure that our movement is being expressed. I will never forget Ms. Barajas. And every single day from that moment, I've been carrying that story and that moment with me. It's why even when I get a little tired and sometimes people say things about our campaign and our movement that's disparaging, that I, I, I don't get discouraged because there are people out there like Ms. Barajas who believe in us enough to invest in our moment and our movement. Because that is the spirit that is the spirit of Chicago. But there are a lot of things that you can characterize the city in many different ways. But what I've seen overwhelmingly that there is a, just a radical amount of love that people have one for another. And that's how we run our campaign. That's what our plans speak to. And that's how I'm gonna leave when I'm the mayor of the city of Chicago. That we're gonna be collaborative, competent, of course we're gonna be compassionate, but we're gonna lead with love. No matter who you are whether you agree with every single ideological frame that I possess, you'll never have a mayor again, as long as I'm the mayor of the city of Chicago, um, that refuses to actually invest in people and demonstrate love. And Ms. Barajas is the epitome of what this campaign reflects.
That's, that is an incredible story. And I uh, I know that there will be other things that you reflect on. And, and uh, I, the other thing that uh, folks are uh, wondering about, because, uh, they, they, like I said, there are people who are on, their, on the fence. There are people who think, well, if, if there's a candidate I like, but I don't think they've got a shot at making the runoff. You know, am I wasting my vote? Uh, we've been talking quite a bit on ranked choice voting. Uh, how do you think that would have played in a race like this? And, and do you support ranked choice voting? I do support it. You know, um, there's a reason why our candidacy is called FIRES, because we're speaking to the interest of working people and middle-class families um, who've struggled under these eco- this economy for a very long time. And the fact that we have people who live in, in poverty in one of the richest cities in the world is unconscionable. You know, but, but what I can say is that, you know, every poll um, has sort of a different story. But <laughs> let's tell the truth, though. Um, I'm in this runoff, and every poll has indicated that. The latest poll that, that, that has just come out, you know, again, has me at 20%. And no one really knew my name back in October. But you know what they do know? They know our message. And they know I've been delivering a message that speaks to truth, that speaks to justice and equity, fairness. You know, so if, if, if I'm confident that we're going to get in the runoff, and we're going to continue to carry this message all the way to April, and yes, we have to have forms of democracy that allows for full participation. Um, and I'm committed to doing that as mayor and pushing policies that, that help provide that type of structure um, so that people can have like a real choice, um, you know, when it comes to, or they don't feel like they're being isolated uh, because their choice is, is not a person, um, you know, who is in as best of a position as others. I, I have to ask you as well, uh, this is just going to be a, a, a sort of taking a look back at this entire campaign. You've been in dozens of forums, as you mentioned, hundreds of, of parties in people's homes and meet and greets and things like that. How have you, and this is something that I don't know if anyone's asked you, but how are you taking care of yourself? Because should you become the mayor of Chicago, you have to continue to have that balance of self-care. And I and I think it, does, it can contribute to the way people approach each other if they're not managing that being uh, aware and, uh, you know, being uh, thoughtful about that? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. And that's something that, you know, I'm committed to doing, of course, um, citywide. That's why we're going to reopen the mental health centers. We're going to pass troop in that trauma. So we're providing care for one another. Mobile units, particularly for students, our public school system, mobile units of care that can be available throughout the city. You know, for me personally, like I'm grounded by my faith. You know, my father is a pastor, is retired. My grandfather served as a pastor. I have an incredible wife, 25 years. She's my best friend. Three amazing children that I get to come home to every single day. And quite frankly, Nemo, my mother-in-law, she's uh, she's quite supportive. She's actually here now as I prepared to leave out for another event. She's providing support for the two little ones as my wife picks up our eldest, um, who's a freshman at Kenwood. You know, so it's really just surrounding myself with people who who love me, who know me. Um, and then, of course, um, trying to get a healthy dose of baseball. What better way to pass the time by? <laughs> hold on. Hold up. I don't know. I don't know if I've asked you. I don't know if I've seen the answer. Cubs or White Sox? I grew up watching WGN. Oh. Okay. <laughs> 
I don't know about the other listeners, but I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I'm actually wearing, um, I'm wearing, I'm wearing cubby blue, but it's actually, I, I'm a dork for elections. Uh, uh, in my standup, I talk about how I make my husband dress up as a judge of elections, uh, which is just carrying a box of donuts and wearing suspenders. That's just a weird thing. But uh, I'm wearing my 2012 Obama shirt from his campaign. I just, I love these days. The energy uh, leading into election day is one of my favorite things. What have been some of your favorite memories besides the, the woman who saved her social security checks? Uh, you know, is it, was it the forums? Was it the meet and greets? Or was it just kind of the whole thing uh, in congregate? You know, it's really all of the above. And I, I don't want to give a political answer here, but it really is all of the above. I've been to every corner of the city of Chicago. I mean, and there's so much pride in this city that I wish those you know, from various neighborhoods, I wish we could see one another at the same time because there's so much that links us. Whether you're a family in Jefferson Park or Morgan Park or McKinley Park or Humble Park, um, you know, we want what's best for our families. We want good schools, reliable transportation, healthcare, good paying jobs. We want to afford and live here in an environment that works, access to food, healthy food, you know, a safe, thriving community. That's what people want parks and recreation. I mean, this this is what binds us all together. And, you know, I've had so many awesome meals. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There it is. And and I've been, listen, and I've done my best to make sure that I stay healthy. But, you know, when you are in the dynamic (laughs) culture of the city of Chicago, and there's something that comes with a little extra spice Mm -hmm. as well, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, whether it's Mexican food, Indian food, you know, whether it's soul food, I mean, I've tasted it all. And Chicago, look, we can be better. I, I actually think we could just bring the city together by just making sure that we have, like, potlucks and taste tests for different macaroni and cheese from all the different cultures that, that do it. So <laughs> I, I've, I've enjoyed every bit of it. Of course, there's some amazing art that's on, online. Um, you know, my, my family is a, a little bit uh, overwhelmed by the, the level of artistic characterizations of their husband, brother, cousin, son, and father. Uh, but it's been pretty cool to watch and see the city become so excited around a set of values that, quite frankly, should have prevailed a long time ago. I'm just glad we're in a position where we can actually get it done. I uh, have a couple more questions from listeners. Do you have time? Of course. Okay, great. So here's one. uh, I'll take one call, and then I think I have uh, one call and one text so far. Oh, two texts. Uh, I have a question. How will Brandon Johnson bring companies and jobs to the entire city? He always talks about the Austin neighborhood, which is fine, but what about downtown, the Loop, and the rest of the city? Well, I talk about Austin because that's where I live. That's all. I mean, right. I, I mean, of course, you know, and I, I think that's important to talk about where I live, you know, just to give some context of when I, what I bring to this conversation. But, of course, I represent, you know, a community that is, you know, quite diverse and broad. I actually represent uh, suburban Cook County as well. I mean, look, I've mentioned this in my plan, that there is a great deal of vacancy downtown because of the pandemic. And so I lay out plans around biotechnology and the vacancy that is there that provides opportunities for us to actually attract biotech companies. In addition to making sure that we're moving green technology as a whole around the city, I put together an environmental plan that speaks to, to justice, right? Because the environment in and of itself, as we work to um, have you know, a more friendlier environment, um, we're talking about a citywide composting structure, right, to make sure that we are creating um, local economies, particularly small businesses, to be able to help the infrastructure within communities 
um, by having economic stability and security, the micro grants and loans that will help small businesses as well. But the really big thing, of course, is making sure that our city is safer. I mean, that is the number one reason why big businesses in particular, even small businesses, are struggling um, to exist and thrive and, and want to, to stay here. And so my public safety plan speaks to what works, and that is investing in people. So, no, I'm going to make sure that, unlike other administrations, I'm going to make sure that every single neighborhood is concentrated on. And thank you, whoever that was, for acknowledging the fact, like a neighborhood like Austin is finally getting some recognition and some attention because we have not had that in an entire generation. And I've got a caller on the line. Mirna, we've only got a couple minutes left here, so uh, we've got your question and another one. So what would you like to ask the commissioner? Commissioner Brandon Johnson, on with Mirna. Hi. Uh, at the forum a couple of weeks ago, um, I'm almost positive I heard you say that your plan was to raise a hotel tax by 60% or more. It was The question was posted on your Facebook page, and you said, no, that wasn't you who said that. And uh, last night, uh, Paul Vallis mentioned that also. Can you clarify that? Are you planning on raising it, and how much? No. There were a couple of lies that had been made about an income tax as well. It's not true. Look, it was described as a mistake by a publication, particularly with the city income tax. Um, it's incorrect. It's not in my plan. And I hope that people recognize that when publications make mistakes like that and they retract them, we don't bring any judgment. They apologize for it. I'm prepared to move forward. Our plan is very clear. It's not that much different than what President Biden said the other night ago. A teacher and a firefighter should not pay the same tax rate as a billionaire or millionaire. The city of Chicago agrees with me. 71% of the city of Chicago supported when President, I'm sorry, when (laughs) President, when Governor Pritzker pushed for the progressive income tax, 71% said it was the right thing to do. And so I believe that the city of Chicago should challenge the General Assembly yet again to do what the city of Chicago deserves. And that's to have a tax structure that does not place burdens on everyday people. And that's why I'm the only person to put together a plan that does not raise um, property taxes. That's different than, of course, than someone like Paul Dallas. I think it's actually um, not surprising that he's lying. He was in charge of the budget in the 1990s. And it's the reason why we have the predicament that we're in right now. I would ask the entire city of Chicago to begin to ask him questions about how he didn't pay pensions, how he took dollars out of general, out of, out of particular streams and place them in the general revenue stream that has caused the type of economic depravity that we're all experiencing. When I'm mayor of the city of Chicago, I'm going to fix what he messed up, and I'm also going to make critical investments without placing the burden on middle-class families like he has done all over the country. I'm going to take two more questions. we got Debbie. Uh, we have one call, one text, and that'll be – we have to let the commissioner go. He's got stuff to do uh, on this last – these last 24, 26 hours of the election. Uh, Debbie in Old Town, what's your question for the commissioner? Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. It's very important. I did just vote for Brandon, and so did my husband. So, And I've seen you at many forums and listened to you, and you are definitely my choice. What my question is for you is if you weren't a candidate and you weren't voting, or and you weren't voting for you, who would you vote for? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. 
You know, so, I mean, there are a number of candidates that actually enjoy what they're talking about. So here's what I would say, that there are candidates that are still pushing an agenda that I think is still harmful, though they are getting some things right. Um, people will remember in 2015, I was one of the lead organizers with, um, at that time, Cook County Commissioner Garcia. Um, I am disappointed that some candidates have moved more to the right um, than, than, than what I believe the residents of the city of Chicago want and deserve. Um, and so, I mean, I would say at this point, um, unless there was some significant movement from the other candidates, it would be very difficult to be able to say out loud at this point who I would be willing to vote for um, without making sure that we're pushing them to be closer towards the particular view of the world that the folks like you obviously have. So I like a number of them. Cam has been a good friend, um, pushing for some dynamics in the General Assembly. Um, you know, I've worked, you know, with, with all this woman team, of course, as we were pushing to raise the minimum wage. Again, these are very thoughtful, brilliant individuals. Um, they just have some political views of the world. Um, but I think that are too heavily relying upon the old form of governance that have left too many of our families behind. And I have this will be the last question. Uh, we are talking to Commissioner Brandon Johnson running for mayor. Uh, this is a question from a texter. U.S. cities don't have enough public bathrooms, and Chicago is certainly no exception. Coupled with a homelessness crisis, the shortage brings health and safety concerns to light. And uh, what are your plans for uh, providing more equitable access to these to, to homeless people, to people traveling, to tourists, to residents? Yeah, thank you again for that question. So, bring Chicago home is one of the top priorities in my administration. That's going to raise revenue um, to deal with the unhoused. I mean, it's a, it's a very horrific dynamic right now, of which twenty thousand of the sixty-five thousand who are unhoused are students, and so that's making sure, obviously, all of our public accommodations are available to support those who are unhoused. As we build up more affordable housing, as we build more public housing, as we create a pathway to home ownership, we have to make sure that we're building communities around those spaces, like our parks and recreation spaces, so that there's more access to public accommodations, which include bathrooms. But I will say this, I appreciate this question so much, because when we talk about black history, and particularly during this month, we talk about school, we talk about jobs and, you know, access to voting and all those things are very important to remember the struggle for democracy in this country and particularly those who are descendants of slaves. But it was bathrooms, it was water fountains um, that we were also denied. And so when, when we talk about in my campaign about public accommodations, I include all of those things because it's deeply connected to the overall struggle. Uh, for 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 our existence in this city in this in this country, and so that requires like real planning, but it also requires an investment. And just know that as mayor of the city of Chicago, voting for me, you're going to have someone who loves people enough to invest in them. You have my commitment. So I want people to go to my website. They can check me out there, BrandonForChicago.com. I want people to punch five and vote for Brandon Johnson because I believe a better, stronger state for Chicago is, is possible especially if we do it together. I'm committed to doing that. We appreciate your time. Go get them. Uh, I know that, uh, I, don't, I don't know how much you'll sleep tonight, but at least meditate, all right? Prayer Thank and meditation. So I appreciate it. Yep.
All right. right. (laughs) I appreciate you too, sir. Take care. Have a good evening. (laughs) You'll relax, but good luck. Uh, Let's take a break here. I'll take your calls. Howard and Jim, David, uh, thank you all so much for being on hold. I will take your calls in just a moment on Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez. Howard, you're going to go first because I didn't get a chance to start the show with gratitude. More in a moment on Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez. Thanks to our sponsors, Monaco Brewing, Kids Above All, and European Car Service. This is Barry Maltz with the Small Business Radio Show. And like you, I've had a lot of businesses over the last 25 years. First, I went out of business. Then I got kicked out by my two partners. Then I sold my last business and I was able to pay back the bank the $1.3 million I owed them. And funny enough, my wife tells me I got her back just about the same time. Join me Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on WCPT 820, where I show you how to get your small business unstuck, grow the company you've always wanted, and finally make the money that you deserve. Hi folks, I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Thank you for hanging out with us. A few months ago, the Kane County Dems uh, reached out to WCPT and our Melissa and had a sales and said, hey, would Patty consider being our keynote speaker? And of course, I was honored and uh, and had had a whole, I, I was I'm a historian. Uh, I love thinking about uh, where we are as a democracy, how we got here. And, of course, a Truman dinner uh, was the, is the name of their annual event. So I had this whole thing planned around uh, what it means to be a Democrat and a bunch of Truman quotes, including uh, he, here's what something he said about Republicans. Republicans approve of the American farmer, but they are willing to help him go broke. They stand four square for the American home, but not for housing. They are strong for labor, but they are stronger for restricting labor's rights. And those are some of the things I planned to say last night. And then on my way uh, of get, getting ready, I was we had Iron Man in the background. I'm like, I'm going to throw the whole thing away. And uh, I hope it went okay, Howard, because I'll tell you something. I was sweating bullets. <laughs> Hi, Howard. You could, not, you could not tell you were sweating bullets. You did such a fantastic job last night. You had the crowd... Uh, mesmerized by, you know, by your speech. You did an absolutely fantastic job. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Uh, it was, it's, it's really a wonderful organization. What's your role with the Kane County Dems? I, I am one of the officers. Uh, if you were there last night, I was the person holding up the time cards telling all the elected officials when to stop talking. Oh, gosh, I didn't see you. Where were you? I, was I supposed right up to be... in front, right up in front, right did, in front of the podium. Did you show me cards? Because I didn't see that. No, no, because you were our headliner, and we weren't going to worry about how long you were going to talk. Oh, I still did my time, though. They said 15 minutes, and I think it was enough. Yeah. I, I, yes, I, you know, because there comes a, a diminishing returns. I'll tell you, because I'm a, as a comic, um, I, just the energy in the room was, when I first started, it was tight, Howard. I'm going to tell you right now. I was like, oh, I, my mind, I was like, oh, we're going to be like that? Okay, let's see what I can do here. <laughs> it was, But it, it, it went well. I was really pleased and, and honored again. We've been... 
We've been doing the Truman Dinner for, I think, uh, 20 to 30 years uh, at this point, uh, and we keep growing. Uh, we keep having to change venues. Uh, we're, we're, uh, where we were at last night was the largest venue in all of Kane County, and uh, as you could see, we were uh, pretty packed at that. Yeah, there were, there were. I mean, people might have come and gone, because now, that, that was the other thing. Who, who, who are the people in DuPage not paying attention to your calendar? I'm just wondering. I, I wasn't going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that. Okay, don't that, get into that's it. It's an entirely different issue. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm going to have a word with those folks. I'm just teasing. No, it was a spectacular event, and uh, it was wild. It was uh, really, really wonderful. Well done, my friend. We've been we've been doing it for years. We uh, we are, have been honored by a whole bunch of people who we have uh, uh, heard or seen or talked to through uh, WCPT. And like you said, Melissa has done a wonderful job in making sure that uh, uh, we get uh, uh, top top quality people like you to come and talk to us. Well, so let's talk about what the work the work that you do and for folks who live in Kane County because you have turned the area blue, but that's through a lot of hard work and it doesn't mean the job is done obviously. So how can people get involved and what should they know? Well, uh Basically, we have worked hard. When I moved to uh, Illinois and to King County back in the late 70s, they laughed at the idea of even a Democrat being elected to any office. Wow. Uh, I, went, uh, I, I actually at one point went to work for uh, a local township, and the township supervisor said he got calls from uh, people going, why are you hiring a Democrat? And oh. he basically said, I'm, I'm hiring somebody who's good for the job. And I was there for 20 years. Uh, we have worked hard to making sure that not only do we have parity uh, when it comes to Democrats in Kane County, we've now uh, basically, uh, we, like you said, we've turned the county blue. Uh, we have control of the county board. Our uh, county board chair, Corinne uh, Pirog, is uh, the first, not only the first Democrat, but the first Democrat, uh, well, the first Democrat who's ever been chair of the King County Board in, I think, it's 170 years, but uh, the first Democratic woman ever to hold the position. She's not the first woman. There's been two or three others uh, before her, but uh, she is uh, controlling a board that's, majority democratic right now wow that is that is a tremendous amount of work you guys deserve a celebration as, as you did last night so what can folks like should they go obviously go to the Kane county deb's website to volunteer right. to help out with campaigns go ahead right right uh, our website is Kane dems k-a-n-e-d-e-m-s dot org uh we have uh, contact information on there on how to get involved. Uh, each of us, uh, each township has its own uh, sub-organization from the King County Dems. We have contact information for the township chairs. We have information about people who are running for office on there. Uh, right now, uh, we, you know, you can't really endorse people in a nonpartisan race, and a lot of the races coming up, as you know, are all nonpartisan, but right. we do have listings for people that we think are uh, supporting the Democratic message. That's for example, we have a lot of people uh, on there who, uh, for school board, and uh, yeah. as you're... Uh, as you probably uh, heard on Joan's show, there's a uh, you know there are people who are running because they don't want book banning, they don't want science to be taken out of uh, school classes, they want the kids to learn what is going on with reality and not 
what somebody thinks should be an ideological message. Absolutely. That's a, a, we have to keep holding the line. We have to keep standing up and, and saying, yes, I'm a Democrat and I'm proud of it. And this is what I stand for. And that was, uh, again, part of what I, I, I wanted to close with last night. I wish I'd brought my mom. I think she would have been tickled by it. But I was too nervous. Uh, <laughs> I, I got I to be honest. On a personal note, I wanted Lady B to be there. I, I've been trying to oh. be there several years now. Oh, Lady B, I should I didn't I didn't I was too nervous to bring anybody. She, I told Lady B too. <laughs> All right. I I will make sure that Lady B is at the next Kane County Dems uh, Truman dinner. Not a problem. Wonderful. Not a problem. So, we we were honored to have you uh, last night and we would be honored to have you uh come even as it's just to sit in the audience and uh participate next uh, couple of times we have our Truman dinner, which is always the last Sunday in the month of February. Outstanding. I look forward to that, and I appreciate the invitation. I look forward to having conversations with you throughout the year as well. Anybody from the Kane County Dems want to set up a, a, a phone call, and let's get it done. Let's keep doing the work. Well, well, and again, Patty, you did a fantastic job last night, and we very much appreciate your time. Aw, thank you so much. I was honored. Thank you very, 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 okay. very much. Thanks. Thank have you. a great, have a great no, rest of your evening. Take care. Bye, Howard. Bye. Uh, let's get to... Let's see. Mirna, Mirna wants to call back real quick, just so I can keep it. Uh, is it from the last call? What's up, Mirna? Hi, I just wanted to clarify something. Yeah. Um, Brandon didn't answer my question. He <laughs> said that it was a publication. No, seriously. He said it was a publication that incorrectly said that he, I, I asked about the hotel tax. Oh, he the hotel. talking about, correct. That's what he said on your live forum two weeks ago. He's saying that Paul Vallis, who I'm not a fan of at all, lied about it. He heard the same thing at the forum. So he didn't answer my question. He he avoided it completely. Interesting. I, I'm, I apologize for that. Yeah. I apologize I didn't follow oh, up on that with you. Yeah. I was, I oh, was, no, that's okay. I just, wanted, you I just wanted to make sure that your listeners know about that, that, you know, he didn't answer the questions. And it wasn't a publication. It was your live forum where I got the information from. Okay. So thank you. Of course. Hey, Thanks, bye. Marina. Bye. Jim, what's on your mind? Hey, Jim. Oh, yeah, Danny? Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I woke up this morning to a trifecta of misery by a Republicans. Number one, the Supreme Court is going to hear the case that these poor people are worrying about their tuition. For some reason, they think that they should uh, decide who should pay and who shouldn't pay. The other one is a judge in Texas. Everybody's going to hang on with bated breath. Everybody's going to put everybody in complete excruciating pain by not giving a second part of the pill. And the third one was they were really excited about this Republicans. They want to cut food stamps down to $6 a day. <laughs> so they're all excited about that. All I can say is I've had more pleasant trifectas in my more, more, <laughs> yeah. memory, more pleasant trifectas than those. Yeah, you got to get a break from some of the, the, the conversations, you know, maybe just uh, listen to some Mozart a little bit, take some deep breaths, too. Yeah, because uh, this, this is too much. Yeah, it's too much. Thanks. Take care. Thanks. Let's get to David. What's in your mind? Are you calling from San Francisco, David? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I called once in a while, and of yeah. course I've called Brandon's show when he was uh, when he was running the show over there. And you know, I was uh, hoping to test an idea, and maybe it could get involved, uh, get uh, to be a part of the Chicago uh, election uh, debate. Whether or not uh, the uh, Norfolk Southern, the railroad that did the big spill over there in East Palestine, uh, they. A lot of uh, cities, and Chicago owns the rail yards, 
whether or not uh, Chicago could use its market forces to really put some heat on uh, Norfolk Southern to do what are called performance bonds. Uh, in the old days, uh, a city was able to demand that a, uh, 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 an institution like uh, the railroad uh, put up money ahead of time uh, in case there was a disaster that you wouldn't be screwing around with, uh, with lawsuits that might take 20 years, but that there was a, a pocket of money that was put aside as a performance bond before they were even allowed to come into the railroad yard. And uh, so whether or not that could be used as a campaign issue this year uh, to be able to reinstill the idea that performance bonds used to be a standard part of conservative thought. And the Republicans right now are not conservatives. They're just lying phonies because they have not come up with the idea of performance bonds. And they basically have no solution for something like uh, East Palestine. Yeah, I'm trying to look right now very quickly and see if there's anyone talking about it. It looks like folks in communities in Chicago want to make sure that there's some sort of uh, preventative measures taken, but uh, I don't see anything about performance bonds. But uh, I see that that is something that's done in other places. So uh, that's something for me to keep in mind and ask people. Yep. Yeah, and in the old days, well, in standard law, you know, uh, laws are not supposed to be made to punish uh, anybody particularly, right. but the issue of performance bonds uh, could override that issue. I but, like it. Uh, a performance bond is a standard of conservative thought, and that the Republicans are clearly not uh, raising this issue, uh, that, uh, you know, the uh, Norfolk Southern is getting away with murder in this. They, they really are. Water. They Yep. poisoned the in, uh, the income stream and the uh, ecology, and it's it's just got to stop. And uh, performance bonds used to be a, a conservative issue. You know what? If you want to hold on, and we can ask Scott Sanders maybe the next question. But I've got to get to a, a guest that we're having coming on in a moment. But Scott's going to be on after six. Does that sound good? Or yeah, we'll do. All right, stand by. Let me get to a break. We've got Dan Richardson coming on to tell us how it's going on the last day of campaigning uh, before our election day. More in a moment on WCPT 820. Jonas Pazito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT Willow Springs, is powered by ComEd. See how ComEd is preparing for a clean energy future at comed.com slash clean energy. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Yesterday, I went over to uh, Wells Park to help my friend Dan Richmond, who's running for the 19th District Police Board. How's it going today, Dan? A little rainy. Patty, I'm trying to drive it home myself. I'm here at Wells Park right now, and uh, there's a lot of people voting today. There really are. And there's a lot of enthusiasm, obviously, uh, for the mayoral race, but also for the police district council. A lot of questions. Um, A lot of people are very, very curious about this race. And in the 19th district, you know, I'm one of the candidates. And I believe that my message trying to make the residents of the 19th district feel safe and be safe is really resonating, along with my message on officer accountability, officer reform and officer wellness. Those are all important issues that we need to tackle. 
and I'm excited to hopefully be elected tomorrow night as one of the three members of the police district council in the 19th district. How are you uh, getting along with uh, the, the other campaigners? Because I'll tell you, I did lose my cool with that kid. Because, uh, well, because well, here, no, but here was the thing: it wasn't just that one thing. Like he was going around saying things about everybody, uh, including you, yeah. right? Because I was wearing a Susanna yeah. Ernst button, and uh, and he goes, "Oh, and you're campaigning for Dan Richmond." Doesn't seem like those politics align. I'm like, I'm going to tell you something. I, first of all, I said, how long have you known Dan? And he was like, oh, just his election cycle. Like, I've known him for 10 years. I've worked with him. And beyond that, like if someone that I trust, I trust, uh, well, my friend Tom Carmack, who was working with you, I know he would want me out there too. So that was what that, it was. And then he started talking about, so this is the thing, folks. When you go to the polling places, if you don't want to talk to the people on the way in, just say no thank you. Because on, in addition to the rudeness sometimes of people who don't want to hear from us, which I get, they got blinders on, uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff going on with those campaigners, and that kid was extra. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny because I've gotten along really well with the person who he's campaigning for campaigning for yeah. uh, I've gotten along really well with her um, and I and I thought I've gotten along with him, well with him too but when he says things like that it certainly makes me wonder a little bit well he was uh, he was really calling does. another yeah he was calling another friend of mine corrupt and I'm not going to go into who it was but a, a right. woman running for alder woman and I was like right. and all these things I was like dude it was a lot so you so has the how's the energy today with all because there's a lot of people out there for Vallis, for Chewy for the other sure. police board members go ahead well, I'm out here at Wells Park, and uh, uh, Brandon Johnson's supposed to arrive here any minute. And oh. it's, uh, def- it's definitely it's definitely a little interesting as I'm campaigning, you know, with with uh, and I'm campaigning, and two other candidates are right next to me, as is uh, as is one of uh, uh, another endorser on there as well. So it's it's weird, but I know I'm getting my point across. I'm really fortunate to have so many endorsements. So many people like, you know, like this community, like their the whole Dan Can slogan has taken off in a big way. And I know I can and will take will do it for the 19th district. And you being out there yesterday, Patty, gave me a jolt of energy for this campaign that was wanted and needed, especially at the last second. Well, I'll see if I can run around I'm campaigning tomorrow for uh, for my aldermanic race. But I'll see if I can swing over to uh, Wells Park for a little bit, too. Is that where are you going to be tomorrow? For, so folks I'm going who... to be starting off uh, at Roscoe and Damon. There's a church there right in the 32nd Ward where I'm going to be. I'm going to be at Hamlin Park tomorrow. I'll probably be here at Wells Park as well. I'm going to try to make it to the Coomley School, and I may even make it over to Truman College. I'm going to be everywhere. Me and my team are active, we're ready, and we're hopeful to celebrate victory tomorrow night. Punch 71 for me, Dan Richmond, 19th District Police Council. Uh, my endorsements have been great. My support's been amazing, and I care about this community. Patty, as you know, I am not a politician. I work I work in advertising sales full-time. I'm doing this for one reason, because I care and I want to help make the area safer. And I know my message is resonating, and I believe tomorrow will be a good night for me. At least I'm very hopeful. And I don't want to take too much of your time, because I know you're busy. you got voters out there, but for folks who still don't know what a police board member does because they can vote for up to three folks by the way uh just briefly tell folks what a police the, the responsibilities of police board members Number one, number one thing is to help build connections between the community and the police. Hold a monthly meeting where residents, for example, in the 19th district, can express their safety concerns. I will get those message. I will. I promise to get that message to the police and get the desired results the community is looking for. I know I can be the person to make a difference in the 19th district. I ask. I ask for your support. 
Punch 71 for me, Dan Richmond, 19th District Police Council. Patty, your support has been amazing, and uh, I appreciate it more than you know. Oh, that's very kind of you. I hope to see you tomorrow. I'll, I'll find you. I'll text you to see where you're, what your, what your uh, location is. Sound good? Thank you, and I look forward to listening to Driving It Home with you all the time. Ah, oh, thanks, Dad. Take care. Have Bye. a good one. Be safe. Yeah, I was out in front of a polling place, and uh, this kid, man, he was running back and forth, but he was spreading, he was talking about other candidates that weren't even in the race. He was like, this woman's corrupt, and this person, blah, blah, blah. And then he possibly went into my race, and how much he liked Lindsay Point. He tripped a wire. He did. Is it? You want to trip this wire? Let's dance. And uh, so I, I maybe gave him the what for. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind from the Gold Coast? Uh, yes, I just wanted to say something with regard to voting. Uh, we, we have early numbers with regard to who's voting. It turns out that people in the oldest demographic are outvoting those in the youngest by about a 12 to 1 ratio. Uh, so of the, of the votes cast so far, those 18 to 24 are about 2% of the total. So, you know, I mean, you're the young people who are going to be living in this city uh, for the decades to come. You know, you and I are about the same age, uh, you know, we're quickly approaching our twilight years. But if you're young, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, we're going to be around, but we're not going to be playing a major role in things 20 years from now compared to young people. And, uh, you know, so, I I mean, I I just don't uh, understand what it's going to take to get people out there. Uh, There are people who claim that, that this generation is more involved. I'm sorry, but liking a tweet about something that's going on in the world is not equivalent to voting or being involved in public policy issues. And I think that that's the, the distinction here, that the, the young people all too often think that watching something on social media or liking it or whatnot is the equivalent of getting out there, going door to door, voting, being politically active and, and showing up at, at things that are happening in your neighborhood and in your community and on the national and state and local levels. But, yeah, so I, I do think that there's a, a disconnect, and it's an important one. Um, they're just not voting in the same way that when we passed legislation to give 18-year-olds the vote. 18-year-olds came out to vote in, that, in those early years, and, and they were instrumental in, in the kind of people that we elected. And today, I, I just don't know what it's going to take to, to get these young people to actually start participating in our democracy. Well, uh, yeah, I... <laughs> Good question. I don't know. I don't know what's going to the city politics. I don't know if they've they've grown up in, uh, in in homes where there's a lot of cynicism about our mayors and our alder people. And they've heard that long enough. And maybe the, the national stuff just seems juicier. And that, that seems like a bigger elevated de- debate. It's more on social media. That's the only thing I, I can think of, really. Well, and I think you're right on that. And this is the last point I'll make is that uh, we do need to discuss about uh, why it is that Chicago elections are happening at the end of February in a city this far north. You know, we need to start talking about sort of rescheduling these things. Also, you know, you come off a presidential election cycle, then you come off the midterms, and now you're asking people to show up again in February in Chicago to vote. Uh, some of this is just fatigue. And, you know, we need to start talking about why in God's name we have an election in Chicago in February. That is a great point. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Steve. Have a great Thank night. You. Thank you. We come back. We're going to check in with Scott Stantis, the cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, I want to hear what he thinks about a cartoonist who, wow, man, really just, I mean, I burned bridges, but this guy brought all the kerosene. More after this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. This is WCPT 820. Listen in Chicago on 820 AM or stream us live on WCPT 820.com. The TuneIn Radio app or tell Alexa or Google to play WCPT. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. 
You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. As he does every Monday, cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune as well as the Dallas Morning News, Scott Stantis joins us. Hey, Scott, let me hear you. Make sure I've got you on. Hold on. Testing. One, two, three, four. Testing. Hey. Probably could have done that earlier, but why not do it in real time? Uh, Yeah. We uh, we have life a, for the studio. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. People love it. You, you'll also be on with us tomorrow night for election returns. Uh, I'm going to David in a moment about the railroads, uh, and I and we talked about this briefly in the last half hour. I kind of told you what his ideas what his idea was off the air. I'll let you contemplate that a little more while I take a call from a candidate. Uh, Juan Pablo Prieto is on the line. Hey, Juan Pablo, how are you doing? Hi, Patty. How are you doing? I'm good. How's it going out there, my friend? It's it's going great. We, every every minute here, we're connecting with more and more voters, and they're getting ready for uh, for transparent and responsive representation here in the 30th ward. So Juan Pablo Prieto is running in the 31st ward. Where are you campaigning tonight? What polling place are you hanging out at? Uh, 30, 30th ward. 30th and, ward. Uh, Sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm here in the campaign office just making phone calls. I've uh, been here all day. I saw the rain today, and I said, let me just jump on the phone and yeah. start connecting with folks. Outstanding. So, what's what's uh, what does your night before the election look like? Are you resting? Are you doing another meeting with folks? What's what's? I know there's no rest, but like 15 minutes of sleep, maybe. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Just getting getting everything ready here, set for the volunteers to come in tomorrow morning. Uh, get them ready and out to the polling places. Get myself out to a polling place. I've got to go uh, with my wife and vote tomorrow. So we're we're excited. We've got a lot of good energy here. Outstanding. So, what's uh, what does tomorrow look like? Where can uh, we'll hear? Where are you going to be tomorrow? I'm guessing you're going to jump from polling place to polling place. Is that the plan? Yes, I'll, I'll be I'll be around. Uh, I'll probably be at my home polling place for most of the day, which is uh, Scammon Elementary uh, there in the Kilbourne Park neighborhood. Outstanding. And for your what, what is the thing that people are asking you about the most uh, when you're meeting with them? What's what's their biggest concern? It's yeah, it's it's definitely public safety and it's uh, it's taxes. And it's housing equity. Uh, people want to make sure that we, we don't displace uh, current residents as, as we build here in the 30th Ward. So what's your pitch? I, you got a couple minutes here or a minute or so. What's yeah. your pitch, oh, yeah. your final pitch to WCPT listeners who live in the 30th Ward or know someone who lives there? Yeah, look, I, I am the only candidate in the 30th Ward that has municipal government experience. I've been at the CTA since 2014. I now serve as the Director of Diversity Programs. I have a public track record of coalition building and progressive policy achievements, and I'm not tied to the old political machine here in Chicago. Uh, I'm an independent leader uh, that will bring transparent and responsive representation here to the 30th Ward. So if you live in the 30th Ward, make sure you punch 51 for Juan Pablo Prieto. Excellent. Go get him. All right, my friend. We look forward to talking. Maybe Thank I'll, ch- so I'll, much, I'll try checking with you tomorrow. We'll be on the air between five and seven. And then uh, f- uh, I'll have some space maybe later on in the evening if you want to check in with us. Excellent. Thank I'll- you so much. Great. Have a wonderful have a wonderful evening. Pace yourself. Breathe. Meditate. You Thank you. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. It is. It is wild here, Scott. The, it's uh, it's so funny because when I was running, like it, I didn't even think to like call radio stations. I was just like, I mean, I could have. You're kidding. I, yeah. I, 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 I did an interview here. We bought airtime, but I was like, I wanted to get out and meet people. You know, people might live in the area that are listening. 
but yeah, we it, anyway, it was fine. What's the last night like? I've I've never I've only run for public office once. I came in ninth out of nine candidates. True you're, story. You're asking the wrong person because I I mean like I am the right person I guess in some ways. Ours was very specific because the pandemic was descending upon us. Polling uh. places were closing, and I'll never forget this. So I was in the car and uh, we didn't have the kind of uh, walk pieces, the cards that that uh, have door hangers on them, right? We made sure we tucked them into something. I rolled them up and put them like in the, in the screen doors and stuff like that. It's funny because someone was just posting about how messy the door hanger ones are. It has like paper that kind of hangs around the doorknob, but with a wind yeah. takes it off, right? So we found out that precincts were closing, uh, that everyone was going to be sort of directed to other precincts. We were worried that people wouldn't even leave their house if they didn't know if it was confusing. So I, <laughs> I'll never forget my campaign manager going, uh, we're not doing that, but here's what we can do. Uh, I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We need to write labels for all the precincts and, and put them on stickers and put them on the walk pieces and, and put them in doors. And they go, okay, Patty, that's not going to happen. We can't write 600. Like we had like 600 more doors to go. <laughs> so we, uh, they took t- the laser printer and they printed out the, where they where for each address, for each precinct, uh, we let, we put it on a, uh, a card and they punched holes in them with rubber bands so we could hang them on their doors. And I, f- until for as late as we could go, we were just going door to door. We had uh, three people in the car. We just kept a car rolling down the middle of the street. People would just get out and go to the doors and hang them on the doorknobs. The next morning, the day of, I was, uh, this one guy was like, you're out here. It was like six in the morning. I was out hanging doors, uh, the, the door hangers so people knew yeah. where their polling place was. So that so then I had a driver that day who drove me from polling place to polling place. I went to probably a dozen different uh, precinct, uh, precincts that day. Probably more. Just to be out there, I had volunteers. We also lost most of our volunteers. They were scared. We went from 35 volunteers to eight. Um, you know, we couldn't, oh. we couldn't afford to pay for uh, the incumbent was paying for a polling place uh, folks, you know, with lawn signs and the, you know, handing out cards and things like that. Because some people haven't decided in a gubernatorial race or, uh, you know, the state Senate race, whatever. Like sometimes people still haven't decided. They have these uh, statistics about that last touch, you know, that last conversation, the impact that it has. So we were trying to get everywhere. I remember standing. The other thing is um, standing in front of a polling place is how different the measurement is for each location as to where campaign workers can't go inside the blue cones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> there was one at Coletti's Pizza on Elston. The blue cones were right at the door. You could walk with the person all the way to the door and talk to them. Whereas there was one church where it was like a block apart. Like you, I had to scream, please consider me. I'm ready to be your state rep. Thank you. So it was, it was crazy. But then my favorite memory, and I've said this before in the year, I was standing in line. I was standing in front of the 16th precinct. Uh, you know, they put a person who, because if you're in line by seven o'clock, uh, you still can vote. And they put a holder. They put a, a line holder. That, that's the last person in line. They tell everyone that comes that that's it. We've, you know, there's no one yeah. admitted anymore. Yeah. And so, um, but at seven o'clock, you know, there was no, no one left to campaign. Uh, I saw my, uh, my husband pull up in the Prius and Declan in the back seat. And, uh, I, it was so funny cause I could see that it was like a sunset. It was a beautiful sunset. It was kind of pinkish and purple. And Steve just got out of the car and gave me the biggest hug. And, and I, and I, you, without saying a word, uh, I knew he was saying, you put it all out there. You, you left nothing on the field uh, and he did great without saying anything uh, and it was really Aww. it was incredible yeah so I was very proud to run in that race and uh, to have him as my partner and my entire team uh, you know as you know one of whom I've lost uh, Tom Carmick who was my yeah. rock and my 
just not like moral compass isn't the right way to say it. Like he knew how to bring out my morals. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I know what I believe in. He knew how to focus that. And that's something that I miss every day. And uh, Abby, who was remarkable um, as my campaign manager as well, and Nick Hack, who was my uh, field director, who I could not have done any of it without. In case I haven't publicly thanked all these incredible people, Sarah Sanchez, who was my volunteer coordinator, um, Rebecca Weinberg, who was my uh, my prom date's wife. Uh, <laughs> we had the weirdest Jerry Walski, who was uh, I mean relentless. I felt I felt like there were days where like did I break Jerry? I think I mean. <laughs> but I mean, you. Everyone who runs for a race, you have to get you a Jerry Walski. That's you can't do it without someone like that. I'm Is there a somebody. factory out of Ohio, or where I don't do we know. get one? But uh, yeah, you must have a Jerry. I know I'm going to forget somebody. But anyway, and my mom and my boys. Just, Griffin only came uh, door knocking once. Here, before I okay, you get me all weepy now, so I'm going to stop. I, I loved running for office. I'm proud to have done it, um, and I uh, you're doing it again. I love it. Again. I love. You know, someone said last week, "I'm glad you lost, so you could be here for all of us." And it's a weird Aww. compliment, but I'll take it. <laughs> it no, no, it's a it's wonderful compliment. It's a, it's still like Ugh! all right. It's okay. Let's see you say. Um, Steve's texting me something. Oh, big hearts. All kinds of hearts for me from Steve. Thank you, Steve. Aww, um, Steve, we're, we're, we're still, we're still doing that, huh? Let me, you know what? I can, I can pivot. <laughs> I can pivot from the, from the weepiness to the, uh, to David. Okay, so David had called about Norfolk, Norfolk, uh, what is it? Norfolk Southern? What, what's the railroad? Uh-huh. Right? That uh, crashed yeah. in East Palestine. And uh, what can we do to make sure, you know, we have train lines here in Chicago. Explain to the listeners and uh, Scott what your thoughts were about performance bonds again. Well, uh, in the old days, uh, a city, whether it was going to build a bridge or, you know, locks and dams or a school or whatever, uh, the contractor usually had to put up a performance bond. And the performance bond was if there were lawsuits or problems, the performance bond was there at the ready so that the city was not going to have to waste time, you know, 20 years or something in lawsuits to try to get uh, compensation. Now, uh, using the idea of market forces, uh, you know, Republicans swear that market forces are the only way to run things. Well, you would think that a city like Chicago, having huge railroad yards, would be able to uh, initiate performance bonds on Norfolk Southern because they've had, what did they have, uh, a thousand derailments since uh, Trump has, uh, I think they had seven derailments last year. And that shows a pattern and practice of sloppy behavior. Now, if I understand right, uh, laws are not supposed to be directed toward uh, enmity and not supposed to be directed toward, um, you know, picking on somebody. But if there's already a pattern in practice with Norfolk Southern uh, to play things on the cheap and uh, and give bad information and, uh, and you know, create all sorts of uh, distress and, and problems throughout the nation. And Chicago should be able to knock some, uh, uh, some sense into them with performance bonds. The Republicans claiming that market forces are uh, the, all, uh, yeah. the almighty uh, way to run things, they haven't discussed this at all. All right. Let, and, uh, let's uh, let's see. Let, let's see if Scott has some thoughts on what you've said so far, because uh, I, I can no, see, I I can think see that he wants to. No, I can say that, I, Steve. First of all, I agree with you. I think that performance da- bonds, David, which are yes. fe- 
Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say? It's all right. I'm off. It's I'm my, awful. Husband, my husband's name is Steve. It's all right. That's I right. know. I can't, I'm just. I always trips me up because Steve, which is in quote marks, because <laughs> I've never met the man. I don't. I'm not sure he exists. David, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, what performance bars are effectively? They're insurance, and you're right about Norfolk. Uh, Southern. They're, they're bad actors in a lot of ways, not least of which is the derailment. But also, if you recall, a few months ago when this labor stri- and the, uh, the, the uh, labor, uh, the railroad workers voted to strike, <laughs> Norfolk Southern was one of the worst, uh, uh, you know, uh, agents in terms of how they treat their employees. So, yeah, I mean, if the, and this is a free, and that sounds to me very much like a free market. It's, I have to admit, I did not know much about them until just until we talked about it going, before we went on the air. So I, I think this is an issue you need to push, and I certainly want I'm going to talk to other conservative friends about and say, hey, listen, this is yeah. one way to to, to cover this to cover this um, to cover this issue. I think you're absolutely right, and you're right. And again, it's a free market, so there'd be competition if you allow cross state competition, which we don't do in healthcare, which is stupid. But that's another issue altogether. Um, yeah, I, I you, 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 you hit the you hit the conservative G spot. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> There you go, David. I hope that makes you feel good. I've got to run to a break, David. Thank you so much for calling. Appreciate it. Uh, let me take a break here because I want to talk to uh, Burning Bridges, which I it's that's my uh, that's that's my that's that's my thing. That's your that's your jam. <laughs> that's my jam is. Oh look at this bridge. This bridge was wobbly. I think it's better off just going. Let's just. So I want to see what your thoughts are on the ultimate bur- bridge. I mean, like, how do you not think that? You, okay, I let's about we're talking about Dil, Dilbert Dil Do Dil Dilbert Dil Do Dil. Dilbert, ding dong. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, like I like I care about. I've, you know what? I've never ever. I can't think of a single Dilbert com- uh, cartoon. Uh, a whiny white guy complaining about the workplace. Uh, I don't. I don't have time for that. Well, try crazy your, women. Try having your yeah. Try having your more after this. <laughs> hey, where's Hal Sparks? I'm not sure where he is now, but I know where you can find him Saturdays at 11. It'll be right here on WCPT 820 for the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Said from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview, as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee, where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. <laughs> okay, I have to get back to clean language. The mic was off, right? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> hey, Scott Sand, right? I'm pretty sure I muted myself. Okay, before, I know Matt's on hold. I'm going to take your call, if you don't mind, Matt, after uh, I get through this conversation with Scott about um, the guy who created Dilbert, a white guy who complains about the workplace. Um, yes, that was the, that's, that's the whole gist of this, was how crazy and awful the... Um, yeah, workplace yes. and cubicles and all that stuff. Yeah, with guys in white collared shirts and black ties and glasses and whatever. Yeah. I, I've, yes. never, I've never, I've never, I, I knew that like we thought like Drew Carey, the Drew Carey show is basically, I don't know if he dressed to look like Dilbert or if Dilbert, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I've, I've, I didn't, I think I'd heard rumblings in the background years ago that the creator, what's his name? 
Scott Adams. Scott. Another Scott. Okay. So has so he has he been doing these rants or like going? I mean, he's a Trumper and uh, yeah. This is like I was. I I, I got to be honest with you. I didn't read the strip recently because it didn't really resonate. The last two sure. years, there aren't cubicles or offices, so I'm just you know. I thought he was very funny, very talented cartoonist. <laughs> yeah. You know, sure. Okay. Um, but there were there were rumblings. He did uh, misogynist stuff in his strip. Uh, I mean, he you know he touched all the bases and um, yeah, like, very like, much a trumper. Like diversity hires. He would he would have jokes about that. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And um, so so what he did is he had a, he has a he has a, a, a podcast, but he he video records himself doing it. And um, you know, watch. I've been watching. I've been immersed myself in a lot of Scott Adams stuff in the last forty-eight hours. How fun is that? And um, it is just. I gotta think that this is on purpose. You don't. He. I mean, this isn't just burning a bridge. You're right. This is kerosene. Yeah. You know, this is uh, you know fertilizer. This is a, 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 a you know eighteen wheeler full of fertilizer blowing up. It. It's, it's crazy. It's clan level talk. Yeah, it comes. It just yeah, is. It's, it's like the races should stay apart. Now, here's the thing: is and he doubled down. I mean, he was challenged on it. And listen, people can say stupid stuff. You ramble. You do a podcast, and you're doing it by. You know, listen, I, I'm probably more forgiving than a lot of people. But you know, people make mistakes, and they come if they come clean and say, "Listen, that was a mistake. I'm sorry." They're not okay. We're good. Um, but no, he did the Trump thing. He doubled down on it, and he keeps going. And so he just keeps going. Here's my take on the whole thing. Okay, I think. He's playing this for first off newspaper syndication. I mean, seriously, newspapers. Who who cares? I right. mean, they're dead. They're gone. Fair. In fact, here in Alabama, the newspaper I worked for before I came to the Chicago Tribune just uh, printed its last print edition Sunday. Oh my God! So Birmingham News, okay. Huntsville Times, and the Mobile Press Register, owned by Advanced Publications, uh, stopped their print edition. So newspapers are dead. I mean, so regardless of what he was making, which was probably substantial. He could still. This guy's made tens of millions of dollars sure. over the last decades on this project, on his on his property. So he has the money to walk away, and he just blew it up. He said, "F you, I'm done." And he's yeah. going to say what he says. Now, going forward, you and I both know these numbers, especially in this environment of the of the internet. You need roughly twenty thousand followers. Okay, twenty thousand dedicated followers to give you money, and he could make a lot of money. Going forward on this, being just a racist jerk. Right. Because he's telling truth to power. I, I was telling Patty during the break here, um, he, you know, the number one hashtag isn't Scott Adams. It's Scott Adams is right. Yeah. My friend Kevin Cleary, who is a uh, literary agent, though, to your point about uh, it being a business decision, uh, he says, I've seen some great business opportunities in my life, but having the Dilbert merch concession at CPAC this week would be a license to print money. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure this is where I think he sees he first off it's a it's a it's a philosophy and an idealism that he agrees with. Obviously, I mean he was very clear in his podcast yeah. what he is, and he's a race racist piece of garbage. Um, and, and, and I'm sorry. I mean you're right. This was this was 1950s Klan propaganda. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's all. And so and then there are times like I said I always. Because, you know, I'm, I try to give some of the benefit of the doubt. There's no there's no doubt here. There's no doubt. He doubled down on it. Um, and he's got that smug smirk on his face. I, I think as a business decision, this is what this is. I think this is a next step stuff. 
don't be surprised if you see him on Newsmax or um, you know Fox or one of those in the right wing pub, uh, you know publication. I mean, this guy is, uh, he's not going away. Well, and it's also, I mean, again, it's, you know, we've talked for a while about people saying the quiet thing, the stuff out loud. Uh, and then you think, well, they can't really think things as horrible. For folks who don't know, one of the things that Scott Adams said was that uh, black people are a hate group and white people should move the F away from them. Uh, there's nothing we can do to, ha- to help them. And, uh, you know, it, it, it gets, it, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then, he, then his followers start posting, you know, incredibly racist stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I, I mean, it's jaw dropping. Uh, and yeah. what's what's jaw dropping to me, and maybe not to you, Patty, and maybe probably not to your audience, is I've worked in conservative politics a lot, most of my life. Um, uh, but I, I just, I always denied the racism, and. Um, I'm not going to do that anymore. I can't because it's there. It's intrinsic. It's ensconced. It makes me disgusted. I became a conservative because I thought it helped more people than the, the than say liberal or progressive policies. Um, and uh, I, I had a number of conservative friends who were like minded, but they're very few. And um, Hence, I'm a repu- repu- recovering Republican. You know, it's um, and I and I feel like you know that's probably uh, again. While you and I had, you know, tense conversations sometimes, I think my level of intensity is based in believing that Republicans and and I know, look, I, I maybe if you're a Republican, you're like, I'm not racist. You are racist adjacent. And I don't I can't. It's very hard to extract that. Uh, and, and this is it, this is growing much more with momentum when we have, uh, you know, banning books and not teaching and, and creating creating a chaos and a and a and a, a problem that is wasn't even there. CRT is not being taught to children and it but it will be taught as a part of American history at a moment where Republicans created something in pursuit of control of others. That's Yeah. Which is so contrary to the thought of conservative thought, which is to not control people, you know, it's to let them be free agents and make their own choices. And um, I don't think I'm describing the current Republican Party. See, I, I feel like it's been there for a long time. <laughs> no, I th- and you're not the only friend who's told yeah, me that. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I fought like crazy because, like I said, I you did weren't. have like-minded. Right. And I had like-minded conservative friends who thought the same way I did. That you know, I always use the example of the single mom on the south side of Chicago who want, who's great with hair. She's great, but she tries to open up a shop. That city, that county, the state is going to screw her each way from Sunday and try and get fees, fines, uh, money, taxes, everything, making it right. virtually impossible for her to succeed. And I wanted to set up an environment where where someone like that could succeed. And I think that Democrats should be fighting to really draw back the bureaucracy, layers of bureaucracy that you're talking about as well. I don't think that that's I, I think that we should find a way to cut through all of that as well. I think that the, that goes without saying, whether it's property well, stop taxes, charging poor, stop yeah. charging poor people to start businesses. Let's begin there. Yeah. I agree. I like that. Boom. Boom. Okay. Done. All right. See, we agree. Tax wealthy people more at a higher rate. Say. I don't. 
See? I don't totally disagree with that either. See, there, see, there we go, folks. We are t- we are taxing the wealthy at a rate that is literally equal to what we were taxing them in 1920. Did same I, percentages? See, that, and the, did I see something where uh, the the Social Security where you tax Social Security up to 160 thousand dollars for the wealthiest, and then they're not? I, I feel like I, I, again, I hate saying things that I'm not entirely sure of, but this is something that, that I read today. Hold on, Social Security. I'm, I'm going to check during the break, and then we're going to take Matt's phone call to talk about voting. Okay. At uh, I'm going to send you Susanna Ernst's number because we're going to talk to her at 6:45. I'll see if Scott wants to talk to another candidate. Sure. I, I, you, can, you can ask a question if you want. I love listening. I love this. Uh, I yeah. love this. Love this. Love this. Oh, the energy in the last night is exciting. You guys, get out and vote. <laughs> oh, what I forgot to say is, get, you got a half an hour. If you if you're not going to vote tomorrow and you you're not sure if you're going to be able to do it, you got a half an hour. You live near a polling place. You know you can get it done. Go vote. If you haven't, no voted, excuses. No excuse. Wow, that was loud. I'm going to roll them down a little bit. That was really oh, loud. Sorry. Just kidding. No excuses. All right. No, no excuses. I, it just, there's no excuse. We will find you. That seemed, that seemed menacing. I apologize. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you some cake to lure you out of your house to go vote. We're going to do a cakewalk to the polls. More after this on WCPT 20. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT Willow Springs is powered by ComEd. See how ComEd is preparing for a clean energy future at ComEd.com slash clean energy. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Earlier, Jonas Pazito was talking about Jonathan Taze, who ha- has announced that he is stepping back from uh, being uh, from playing with the Blackhawks and uh, as a result of long COVID. And Scott was telling me off the air that you're... Uh, Noticing some th- symptoms that uh, are. Oh, I'll, say I'll do this. There you go. Yes. I, ha- I had to quit a job because uh, for the year following the time when I had COVID, which almost, you know, took me to heaven. Um, kind of glad I'm still here. But um, yeah, I had to. I had. Uh, uh, the fug- fuzz- fuggy, fuggy, yes. the fuggy, the, the fuggies. Head. <laughs> I had the fuggies. And um, to this day, I have a list of things I cannot taste or smell. And I have the fatigue kicks in. And, and I, I wish I could explain this to you, Patty. When this kicks in, you must lie down. It is so grinding. It is so heavy. I, I don't know how to explain oh. it. You the the fatigue and it hits and you don't know when it's going to hit. You don't know what causes it. And there are days when I have to take a, between four and six naps because I cannot stay awake. There are twenty twenty and forty minute naps, I'm so but sorry. still, yeah, yeah, it's awful. It's awful. And so, yeah, so uh, Taves, um, Taves, I, I, I get it. I mean, you just can't. I can see not coming back from it. And you had mentioned also off the air that you were happy that the DOE had announced it was most likely a uh, outbreak, a COVID outbreak, was a result of uh, a laboratory in Wuhan. Uh, the other thing was that uh, Trump also slashed the CDC staff inside China just before the outbreak. The, it, since 2009, we had had uh, scientists all over the world as part of uh, President Obama's pandemic plan, uh, and it was cut by by Trump. I just no, uh, the Trump, yeah, to cut the pandemic plan was stupid. Um, well, it's a long list of stupid of, of Trump's yeah. administration's stupid moves. But yeah, I did not know that until you mentioned it off the uh, before we went. Uh, he ended on the air. He ended the detection program that was present in makes actually so, makes in perfect sense. There was one in Wuhan itself. Uh, so the, the thing the is, when early, I mentioned warning. this, yeah. when I mentioned this, uh, it sounded like some kind of QAnon nutbag, and I'm just—it just sort of makes me feel a little better because I've had the flu. I, at 60 years, I've had various sure. forms of the flu, and this was not normal. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. So, I wish anyway, I could hug we're you. back. We're back. Well, Matt wants to talk about voting in Chicago, which we're Go very ahead. excited about. Hey, Matt, what's Hello, up? Patty, I'm, I'm so glad to talk to you on the up late with Patty Vasquez on the corner of 7th and Heaven in the All-State Showcase studio. <laughs> um, we had some fun times in that studio. Yes. Also, by the way, I, I don't know why you're getting so down on the Dilbert cartoon. I mean, you used to work there. Oh, I made a funny about WCA. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I digress. Uh, folks, I'll be brief today. Uh, tomorrow, you get a chance to vote. Vote for who your conscience tells you to vote for. It is your right to vote for whoever you want. Just be aware that if you vote for Republicans, people will die all <laughs> over the world, and the world will end. Love you all. Wow, Bye. that was dire. <laughs> Take care, Matt. Well, I guess we're going to stay on a Republican trend right now for a moment. Hey, Roosevelt, what's on your mind? Patty and Scott, how are you guys doing today? We're Thank good. Thank you for taking my doing call. Great. Sure, what's up? Hey, did you guys see Marjorie Taylor Green? what she said on YouTube about, about black people? Uh, she said she knows plenty of white people that are as lazy and useless as black people. No, nope. lazy and sorry. Oh, exact sorry. Word. Can you can you not hear him? Hold, hold on a second, Roosevelt. For some reason, Scott can't hear you right now. That's weird. Hold on, let me do this. No, it's not that one. Is it, maybe is that one? Why can't you hear him? Anyway, Scott, can you can you hear me? Oh, I don't think Scott can hear me either. Oh, he's oh he's, I, I can see that he's swearing. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Well, here, let's disconnect and reconnect, Scott. Want to do it that way? I don't know. Anyway, go ahead, Rose, about that. Yeah, she said that she knows plenty of white people uh, who are as lazy lazy and what? What was the other one? Sorry. sorry. Lazy and sorry. What? And, and, and it reminded me of, of the past presidents that have said horrible things about African Americans. And I'm going to start with Reagan. Remember when he launched his uh, election in Philadelphia, I believe Mississippi? And he said, they're taking your money. They have children by seven different men, and they drive Cadillacs. You remember that thing? And it, and it reminded me also of Willie Horton with um, Old Man Bush against the caucus. He also used Willie Horton uh, uh, and, uh, and the crimes, that, in other words, pointing the finger. Just like what Trump did <clears throat> when he ran for election. When he said the things he said about Mexicans, and once he was in, he stopped the flights for uh, Muslims, and then he uh, he insulted African African American people, saying, uh, "What do you guys got to lose? You know, you don't have schools, you don't have jobs, and all this garbage." So it just reminded me of of the constant series of of you know, of dog whistles that the Republican Party needs to use to, to motivate their base. And it went out of it went out of control when Trump was in there. Now it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, he's back on the horse again, saying the horrible things against Latinos. And I want to say another thing. Yeah, him visiting um, East Peoria was the first time he ever visited a derailment. While he was in office, I believe he had hundreds of derailments. Yeah. Never yeah. sent Yep, and toxic spills. The, yep. Never said that the, 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 the person he put on the Department of Transportation, Elaine Chow, not once, and he never visited or he never went to a sighting where there was a derailment while he was in office. So tell me that's not a, a, a political move on his part for, for his election. 
And then he turns everything into a rally. He went and, uh, you know. Yeah, of course. Passed out uh, MAGA hats and water. Yeah. And I want to say something about the water. <laughs> he took water. He took water to East Peoria, but he took towels to Puerto Rico. Yeah. Tell me how this how's that right. It, uh, none of it makes no any water sense. water to Puerto Rico. No. No. Uh, which is horrible. That's all I want to say. I want your comment and Scott's comment, especially on what Reagan said. Thank you. What? There you go, Scott. Oh, you, you couldn't hear him at all? You still can't hear him again? No. Hold on, Scott. How, how do I not hear you? Hold on, is it still my fault? I'm sure it's my fault. Hold on, clean feed. I don't know why it's not, why it's doing that. One more time, Scott. Hold on. Let me see. Let me see if it's there. Hold on. It was me. I, I was trying to te- check, the, check the text screen, but I think that I did something wrong on that. There. How's that? Scott? You can't hear anything? I can't hear you. Nope. It's not my fault now. <laughs> what was that? Take a, break. take a break. I'm gonna take a break. Hold on a second. Thanks, Roosevelt. Take care. All right, let me take a break. <laughs> Matt just popped in. He's like, "Hey, we are not doing anything right now, so take a break. I'll see if I can fix Scott's connection." More after this on WCPT 820. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are going to catch up with Scott tomorrow. We were having uh, some connection issues. So uh, since he's joining us tomorrow, he was like, uh, I need to take a nap. So thank you for joining us, Scott. I want to check in with Susanna Ernst, who's running for the 45th Ward Alder seat. Hey, Susanna, how's it going today? It is going very, very well. We're very, very excited. We are here at HQ getting ready for the big day tomorrow. Everyone is pumped and um we're just ready for a big day of voting in Chicago, both at the aldermanic level, mayoral level. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. We're excited to be uh, getting ready for that. For folks who are voting in the 45th Ward, uh, just want to let you know, of course, polling places open tomorrow. I believe it's 7 a.m., right? You're going to have volunteers out at every single place. Uh, what, what uh, are, six o'clock, actually. It started at six? Uh, uh, Suzanne, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be there at six. I just want to tell you right now. <laughs> I, I love you, but I gotta, I'm, we're going to get Declan on the bus, but I'll, I'll be out at one of the locations probably around 8 o'clock. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. So what are some of the locations you'll be at tomorrow? I know that you're going to be bouncing around, uh, checking in with volunteers, talking to voters. Where are you going to be tomorrow? Well, we're going to try and, and hit as many polling places as we can. Now, there's going to be volunteers running around in just about every polling place in the 45th Ward. I know that we're going to be at Wildwood School. We'll be at Bobian. Barnsworth, Hitch, we'll be down in Independence Park, too, at the park there, um, as well as Vaughn and uh, St. John's Lutheran. So we're, we're going to be at almost every single place that we can get to. We're going to be on the move. What are the, some of the reactions you're getting from folks when you tell them that you, what, your, what your plans are for the community and what you would bring as a leader for our neighbors? Everybody's very energized by this idea of us collaboratively getting together to build a, a, a new ward. We're moving in a new direction here in the 2020s, and I want to lead that new direction, whether it be through economic development, uh, whether it be through the arts, um, whether it's about getting us safer streets. Um, everybody's excited and energized by that because everybody is ready for new leadership, and I'm ready to drive our communities there. What uh, what are some of the issues? Besides, I know that people talk about public safety, obviously. What are some of the issues that you were surprised by talking to neighbors? You're like, oh, okay, I, that, I'm glad. It, it, it kind of helps your shape your messaging, too, doesn't it? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Patty, because realistically, most of kind of what we thought walking into this that were going to be issues were issues. Um, it just depends on what neighborhood you're in as to how important those issues are to sure. people. So we hear in some neighborhoods that they're very, very concerned with public safety. And in some neighborhoods, they're not so much concerned about that. They're concerned more about street safety. So I, I down in Independence Park, a lot of people are talking about how challenging it is to cross Irving Park Road. And yeah. so we can have solutions for that. And um, it, it mostly, it's not so much about surprises as much as really, really getting to a point where I can fully understand the more comprehensive deeper issues that people have around the main platform issue. So whether it's public safety, people talk about catalytic converters. If it's street safety, maybe people are talking about specifically Irving Park Road or Milwaukee Avenue. It's more about just adding layers in depth to what we already kind of knew was, was happening. And of course, there's the one main issue that uh, everyone seems to be talking about. It's a low bar, but just this idea of being able to work together in a more unified way. And I, I think that that's definitely feasible especially with someone like myself who's been engaged in the community for so many years. And with such a strong ground game right now, we're ready to take on those challenges. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Commissioner Brandon Johnson. Uh, We spoke to him in the last hour, which is, uh, what is something that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life? A moment that is just something that you'll always uh, keep in your heart that uh, win or lose is just going to be something that uh, reminds you of running for this office. I think the most important moment for me during this whole election was actually probably during the Aldermanic Forum at the Copernicus Center. Um, there were a lot of people there. There were hundreds of people there. And I remember thinking to myself that I'm not nervous at all about speaking in front of all of these people, but what I am concerned about is all those people out there that are wearing Susanna Ernst shirts that are cheering for me, that believe in me, and that they want me to do well. And that's why they're there, to support me. And that was such an emotionally moving moment for me. And everybody said I I did okay, and so I'm happy about that. But I will never forget looking out there thinking, as I was looking at our community members, that I I want to do well by you. And that was such an emotional moment for me, making me understand that no matter what happens, on February 28th, I want to always serve the 45th Ward. I, I want you to know you did better than okay, and it's not just coming from me. When I went door knocking for you, there were folks that said they were really impressed with you, uh, felt that you you were the one that, that laid out your plan uh, and your vision for the community. So in this moment we have left here, because uh, I know you've got to get back, you've got 10 minutes to throw out some more cards or talk to people and make plans, uh, give us your pitch on why you should be the next Alderwoman of the 45th Ward. I've been engaged in our community for well over 20 years. I have been engaged on many different civic levels. I understand our people within the 45th Ward throughout the communities, up and down from north to south. Because of my heavy involvement and because also of my work experience where I was heavily engaged in the business world and I understand how contracts work and negotiations work, all these different things come together to make the perfect package for an alder person to run the 45th Ward. I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to build cohesive communities. I have the endorsement of IBI IPO, a Better Street Chicago Action Fund, as well as United Northwest Side. It's time for different values in the 45th Ward. And these are all the reasons why you should vote for Susanna Ernst.
Tomorrow. And, and everyone get out to vote. I know if, unless you're like five, unless you're sitting outside of your polling place just to hear Susanna talk at the very end of the show, <laughs> um, make sure you get out and vote. Uh, you have run a run a, a wonderful campaign. Uh, congratulations. And thank you for stepping into the arena of politics and public service. Uh, it, it, it was it's important regardless. But I, I know that the, there are so many people that support you, including me. I've been very public about that. Uh, and I because I adore you uh, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much for running. Thank you, Patty, and and thank you to everybody who's listening right now. I'm excited for our, our People Power campaign to move forward. Have uh, get some. Med- I know I've told you this the whole time. You're not going to start meditating tonight, but uh, just <laughs> be in- intentional and, and still care for yourself. Okay, do something fun. Uh, take a breath because you've worked hard. I will. All right. I will. I'll I ta- appreciate it. Of course. Take care, Doria. I'll, t- I'll, s- I'll see you tomorrow. Go- see you tomorrow. Go get them. I'll see you. Take care. Right, thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Uh, let's uh, get to Steve's call as well. If we have any other candidates that are listening, you're welcome to call. <laughs> That's uh, I know. It's my friend. Uh, I'm going to help my friends out. And I've been very honest about that from the beginning. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind? Um, I was just following up on your the, uh, mention you made of Social Security. Yes. Because uh, it's something I've been trying to puzzle out for a while. And i got to admit, I'm, I think I'm a little to the right of you, but I'm well to the left of Scott. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, with Social Security, there is an upper level of contribution. Right. So you could make a billion dollars, but you only pay Social Security on, I think it's like 125 or 150,000. Okay. So, so I wasn't but, wrong. Oh, my gosh. But, but, yeah, yeah. Yes. but your income from it when you retire is also capped at that level. So, again, right. if you make a billion dollars, you only get Social Security payments on 150,000. Right. So it's one of those things where my heart goes, well, yes, billionaires should pay on everything. But then also the kind of businessy, more right side of my brain goes, yeah, but they're only getting out what they put in. And that's fair. And that's what the system should be. What do you think? What were your thoughts when we were trying to pass the uh, fair tax in Illinois? Um, I'm totally for it. Yeah. OK. Because, again, that's what that's one of those things where I've been studying it long enough that I, I can remember the time where I was like, no, flat tax, it should be every, you know, everybody pays a percentage. And I've just seen too much really good research and really good arguments from people that I really, really have trusted for a long time, like Eric Zorn and people like that, who have said it just it is best for the country. Yes, it seems a little unfair because you, you, you know, you're a, a brilliant billionaire who has worked all so hard and made all that money. But it really is best for the country for you're making all this money, you pay more, and it it produces a better country that's better for the billionaire as well as for the poor person. Well, there's also, once you reach a certain uh, income bracket, it's also much easier to make passive income, right? So it's not only, you know, it's it's being good at the market or being smart about where you put your money in offshore accounts or things like that, too. And, you know, and just for, you know, sort of context in the state of Illinois, maybe you've done research on this, but in the 1970s, you know, we were, at least the rate of which at which we have our incomes have increased the richest incomes have gone up like about 110 percent and ours 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 has only gone up 10 percent and it's insane the the, the spread between the the lowest and the highest has gotten insane in the last since ever since reagan right right basically he he really drove that 
Right. And and this is the same thing, too. When we, we, you know, people are screaming about how we shouldn't have student loan forgiveness. You know, the cost of public education in the 1960s, University of Illinois oh, was yeah. like was like eight hundred dollars, which might have been a lot for folks at the time. But your Pell Grants and your your MAP Grants, all those things were, were able to cover like 70 to 80 percent of it. Now it's like 20 percent in some cases. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've always I really um, um, appreciate those charts where. It's not just raw numbers, but where they show in order to pay for a semester, you had to work X number of hours, at, you know, like at a at minimum wage and how much, how many more hours you have to work. And it's really, you could never, you could never work enough hours at minimum wage now to pay for a semester of college. But right. in the 60s and 70s, right. it literally was. I've talked yeah. to people who were like, yeah, no, I, I worked in the summer and then I didn't have to work. Yeah. You know, all through the school year because I made enough over the summer to pay for two semesters or three semesters of college. And you could never do that. No, now. no, not at all. No. See, I don't think we're, I mean, I don't, I'm wondering what issues were, were farther apart on that. I'm farther to the left of you, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that someday. Maybe. Like, well, like I said, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not that far off of you. Um, I think we joke. I'm that, I'm that, I'm that person that I have a group of friends who consider me a wild dog Bolshevik. And I have a group of friends who consider me, you know, a, a, a corporatist sellout. And I'm like, <laughs> All I, right. I, like think, I like to think that makes me right. <laughs> I know I the feeling. Both sides mad at me. <laughs> there you go. Appreciate it. Thank you for calling in, Steve. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Take care. Uh, as I've always said, our biggest asset here at WCPT are our listeners. So thank you. Whenever you call, uh, you elevate the conversation. So I appreciate it. And uh, I also want to thank, speaking of elevating and what I appreciate, Sarah... Did I have I mentioned that my favorite my favorite pooches are poodles? I love poodles. I, I, I'm a dork for poodles. I don't know why. I don't know if it's a fun. I had a schnoodle growing up, Lady B. She was a half schnauzer, half poodle. Her name was Pepper. Of course she was. She had a, like a salt streak right down her right down her from her under her chin down her chest. Uh, and you know what's funny? Like I remember one time they gave her a real poodle poodle cut. Like uh, I would say eh, a little bit like the white pooch, Sarah. Um, but, uh, but like, she did not like that. She didn't like, did not like the very prim and proper where the, the paws were completely shaved and the poofy ears. She was not a fan. Uh, I want to end on this tonight. Uh, actually, let me run this. Uh, I have, I want to make sure you know about our choice seltzer because I haven't played this one. I owe Monaco Brewing this 30 seconds. Hi folks. I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company and I sell choice hard seltzer an all natural grapefruit and lime flavored booze that you can enjoy for only a hundred calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing heart seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. So I also want to thank our, our sponsors, Kids Above All. Go to kidsaboveall.org and find out how you can support their mission to help kids feel supported, feel safe, and help them reach their potential. That's kidsaboveall.org. And we want to visit our friend Warren Price at European and U.S. Car Service. Car service. It's over at 4080 North Broadway. If you've got something wrong with your car, take it over by him. And you can visit his website, europeanus.com. And his phone number is 773-248-1200. Before I go... Uh, what you know? Someone mentioned uh, voting fatigue. Maybe it was Steve from the Gold Coast. Uh, I know it's a lot, and maybe you're on the fence, and you're like, "Well, what difference does it make?" There's a lot of candidates. So there'll probably be a runoff. 
it matters. This is uh, Hal Sparks, I think, phrased it. Uh, maybe he was quoting someone else about how this is tending your garden. Voting is going out to the garden, taking a look and going, what do I like? What don't I like? What do I need to do? What needs some water? What needs some weeding? This is how we come together and have our voices heard. And if you don't show up, they're going to make decisions without you. So show up, be involved, be engaged. Please go vote. We need you. We need each other. Have a great night. Thank you, Lady B. Uh, And stay tuned for Mike Crute and the Devil's Advocates. Good night, everybody.